Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back once again to Patricia Adams Live. This is day nine of the ten days leading up to Father's Day. Tomorrow will be June 19th, and that is Friday. And wow, June 19th. And as I said, when I was setting this up, I really did not realize that this would be leading not just up to Father's Day, but up to June 19th, the day that the slaves were emancipated in the state of Texas. They were emancipated everywhere else, but it took three years for the state of Texas to emancipate the slaves or to make it known. And even then, Some of the slaves said, you know, what is it to be free and where do we go? We have nowhere to go and what does this free mean? And I think about the movie Roots that Alex Haley produced. And I remember the first time I saw Roots, it was quite painful and difficult to watch, especially knowing that it was depicting something that happened as a reality in this country. And to think about the fathers who had to stand by and watch their wives be raped and pillaged and their daughters be raped and pillaged and the mothers and the daughters and the sons who had to watch their husbands, their fathers be drawn and quartered, be boiled in oil, be tarred and feathered, be lynched, be burned, be maimed, be blinded, be sold, 
And in doing this, the framework for fatherhood, for minorities who came to this country as slaves, has had a fractured lineage. We've not gone from great, great, great granddaddy to great, great, great granddaddy to great, great granddaddy to great granddaddy to granddaddy. So we have had a fractured fatherhood relationship with ourselves in this country. There was not really an experiment, but you could call it an experiment that was done a few years back. I believe it was by Hallmark that donated cards on Mother's Day to the prisoners, and they ran out of cards, and they had to get more cards. Then they did the same thing on Father's Day, and there were very few cards that went out on Father's Day. They had a surplus left over. The question was raised is why you send to your mother and not to your father? And they said, well, you know, I know who my mother is, but I don't know who my father is, or I don't have a relationship with my father, or my father left us a long time ago, or whatever. So, There has not been a continuum of fatherhood from generation to generation to generation to generation in the overall minority community of blacks who were former slaves. Now, it's not to say that any other race has not had similar struggles. I know that they have. But there has been a far greater disproportionate number of fathers identified, engaged, and participating in the lives of their offspring. And I say offspring because if you can trace back to the roaring 20s, prohibition and and all of that and coming into the 30s, it was like the things that derailed the fatherhood continuum, in my opinion, were the same vices that derailed the Indians, the things that were avarice, the things that were vices, the availability of recreational drugs and alcohol and sex of any kind that you want, that you pour this on to people who have maybe only been liberated for 30, 40, 50, 60 years at best, and it takes 40 years to establish a generation. So if you go 1865 and you add 40 years to that, that brings us into 1905, and then you come into the Roaring Twenties, that's only 15 more years, so that's 55 generations 
I mean, 55 years, but that's not even two generations. We're in the middle of establishing the second generation when the drugs, the alcohol, the debauchery, all of these other things slammed into the community. For some, it it did not affect them. But for others, it was the beginning of addiction to morphine, to um, opium, to pornography, to any kind of behavior that these people had not really been accustomed to. The same with the American Indian, the Native Americans, is that, you know, they were given trinkets and booze and all of that, and their people are still suffering from that. You know, yes, there's some prosperity going on, but it's not in the hands of the masses. And the people who were a great people are not a great people anymore. And as minorities, African-Americans who are descended from slaves, we make up 10, 11, 12, 13% of the population. And we have a high number of incarcerations. We have a high number of fatherless homes. We have a high number of births out of wedlock. We have a high number of addiction and all types of vices and avarices that you can think of are prevalent in a lot of our communities, a lot of our urban communities, a lot of the places people consider to be ghetto or whatever, but it doesn't matter that even if you come out of the ghetto and you come into um, the rural side or suburbia, you still find single-parent homes. You still find um, addiction. As a matter of fact, I think that Addiction in suburbia is very different from addiction in the ghetto because the children who are in suburbia have access to more disposable income than, say, a child in the ghetto because a child in the ghetto has to basically end up being that pimp, that drug dealer to the child from suburbia who has the money to spend. So, the effect you've got a buyer and a seller and you have the erosion of a people. How do you set that up? I mean who can afford to buy the quantity of drugs that are pouring into the community, the quantity of guns that are pouring into the community and so then you have men who are wanting to be fathers, wanting to overcome all of the things that would drag you under, and they're either stepping up to the plate to father their own children, stepping up to the plate to father somebody else's children, and then I I remember seeing 
an episode on paternity court. And some people said that it was staged and all that. But even if it was staged, it was a representation of reality. There was this uh, black couple, supposedly husband and wife, and two children. And in this episode, the mother and the father, the children overheard the mother and the father get into an argument and the mother basically unloading on the father and saying that these children weren't his to begin with. Now, what made it even harder was is that the young man and the daughter were there with friends, but the young man had some of his male friends there and they were playing games. And all of this unfolded in front of his friends. And he was shook by that. So then they get to court. They order the DNA test. And the girl is the mother's, the wife's. The boy after they go and find out that the man is not his father. And then I believe also that the girl was not his either. So it's like two children, two adults, one of, and both of the the children are adults now, young adults. And so the girl is the biological daughter of the woman, but the son is not the biological son of the mother or the father. And that sends him into a tailspin, this young man. And then they go into the judge's chambers, and then she decides that she's just going to just unload everything. She says, well, his mother is dead, and uh, his mother was my cousin. And my, my, my cousin was sleeping with a lot of different men, So I really don't know who his daddy is. And this young man let out uh, an earth-shattering groan and moan and cry that was like he was being imploded from the inside. It wasn't enough. It was like uh, this woman was like, finally, you know, I can... I can get the truth out and I can get this off my shoulders and and them, you know, uh, making me look bad and and that I'm a bad person and all this. So I'm just going to tell you that, you know, I'm not as bad as you think I was. It's just that I was not bonded with him because he wasn't really my son and just all this craziness. And so the paternity shows, uh, Mari, Um, all the different paternity shows and you see this and you see it in the white community and you see it in the black community. But the biggest thing of it is, is that 1865 for the state of Texas. So technically 1862 was when the emancipation happened, but 1865 for the state of Texas. And you get into the twenties and you've got, one generation, which is 40 years, plus 15 more years, that's 55 years. Then um, at the 30s into that, then you've got another 10 years, that's 65 years. Then you add the 40s into that, and then you've got 75 years, right? And then you add the 50s into that, then you've got 
85 years. So now you have two generations and a quarter. So two generations, when you get into the 50s and the 60s, right? And what do we have happening during that time? We're having uh, lots of issues going on still. Uh, no equal rights, no separate but equal, none of that. Um, you have Brown versus Board of Education. You have uh, the welfare system kicking in and moving men out of the house that so you can qualify for assistance from the government if there is no man living in your house and we're going to come and check your house to see if there's any men's clothing. We're going to come check your house to see if a man's staying there. So we're just going to do random checks, and we're going to do drive-bys and to make sure that you don't have a man in the house. So you basically paid a woman to move a man who possibly was the father of the children out of the house. So then you go from there, and then you have the civil rights movement, and then uh, black people are starting to make progress again in the 50s and the 60s. And then the assassinations, then um, Megger, Martin, John, Robert, um, just Malcolm, all of this in the 60s. So by the time that we're in like 68, 69, you've got two and a half generations of men, right? Then we have, we've got all the wars, but then we have Vietnam that takes 17, 16, 17, 18, 19 year olds on up unknowingly some falsified information and went into the military. And they came back addicted to opium. They came back addicted to marijuana. They came back uh, um, alcoholics. They came back really messed up. So then you have the increase in the homeless population. And that affects the black community, the minorities, fathers who disappeared. Then you come into the late 60s and the early 70s, and it's your thing, do what you want to do. I can't tell you who to sock it to. And bam, you know, we have a, a, an explosion of births, an explosion of abortions, an explosion of birth control, and no fathers. Then you come from the 70s into the 80s, and you still have the crack now epidemic. So we have people dying from crack. Then we have HIV, and then we have people dying from HIV, and then you come into the 90s, and we're still rolling with the homelessness increasing. We're rolling with the veterans of war who are coming back with issues, addictions, and all kinds of things. So you basically, from the 50s on, are having men outside of the home for quite a few households giving birth and uh, not giving birth, but inseminating women on every level and having babies every nine months by different women. And it becomes like a badge of honor for some reason. And, you know, it's like a notch on your belt, a notch on, I mean, and, and people actually putting notches on their bedposts to um, boast their sexual conquest. And women 
you know, weren't really looking for men to be fathers. They were they were looking for a feeling. They were looking for uh, a conquest. They you know they were fine. They were pretty. Um, black women were wearing their own hair, natural hair. There weren't a lot of wig wearing uh, women. Uh, women were you know took pride in their hair and everything. And the seventies, you had Soul Train, and then you go from that, and then now Soul Train, you've got more exposure. The regular guy has exposure to movie stars or, or to artists, and then they're mingling with it. Then you've got the groupies, and then the groupies are getting impregnated by stars uh, of musicians and things like that. So you you have this degradation and this degrading of what we barely had built two and a half generations of out of slavery, and now that's being whittled away. So as we come into this day called Father's Day, and I said it in all the prior shows, is that Father's Day is any day that you find a man standing up, protecting, guiding, and providing for a child that's his or not his, that's Father's Day. Every day is Father's Day. Every day is Mother's Day that you find a woman who is nurturing and caring and loving and sheltering her children, her offspring, mothers. Not everyone who gives birth is a mother. Just because you give birth, just because you inseminate, does not make you a natural selection to be a mother or a father. But for those of you, and, and I know several people, several people, several people who have stepped up to another man's child, who have loved that child no less than if it were their own and provided for them, nurtured them, did the best that they could with them, and the situation and the circumstances that was presented to them. So here we are once again um, coming into rioting. We've had so many riots. We've had so many things. Uh, the riots of 1918, the 1920s, um, the Black Wall Street, just so many riots. So it's like an unwelcome guest that has overstayed their welcome. It's like you're unwelcome to begin with, but then while you're here and you're, you know, being a part of our community, you really aren't expected to succeed. And if you exceed or excel too far, then we're going to bring you down. So it's like, you know, we're going to let you get so far and then we're going to find a reason or how we can bring you down. So the article that I talked about a couple of days ago that is an old article from 2015 where 1.5 million black men are missing, brothers, fathers, grandfathers, cousins, friends, somebody just thinking that the man just walked away as has been before because 
that's how it was. Don't really know where they are. Nobody's raising a sting. Nobody's raising an eyebrow about that. And all I can say is that until we become pro-human and realize that we are all a part of this human race together, and what you do to another human being, you do to yourself, whether you realize it or not. Maybe you won't see the repercussions and the consequences of it in your lifetime, but somewhere the repercussions and consequences for maltreatment of another human being will come calling. And you hear people say, well, you know, I wasn't alive when slavery was uh, was around. I didn't own any slaves. I didn't. It doesn't matter. In the scheme of things, what you realize is that memory memory can be found in water. Memory can be found in the earth. And we are of the earth and we are water. So we are a watery dirt. And the memory of the atrocities of our times, our ancestors, is in us. It, it is in us. It's in you. The things that have been done in the past are a part of us. No matter whether we were full-on participants, it's in us. It is a part of us. You cannot separate that story from us, the tragedies, the triumphs, none of that. You cannot separate that from us. So we are a part of the past. We are a part of the present, and we are going to be a part of the future. That's why it's called history. So genetically speaking, we are all one. We are all tied together. Some kind of way we are tied together. If you have ever, ever, ever bled, you bleed the same. And kicking over sacred cows is that Mother's Day, Father's Day, Easter, Christmas, all of the commercial holidays where it's about you spending, you consuming, you putting money into the economy. Dave Chappelle did an episode on reparations. And it was like, yes, you know, uh, give them reparations and then thank them for spending with us. So it was like you gave them reparations and they turned around and they spent the reparations in what? The white community because there were no blacks sellers. Blacks are greater consumers than sellers. So where do you go to buy? You go to buy from non-black businesses. And whatever you get, your stimulus check, your reparations, whatever money comes to you, it comes to you and you recirculated right back into their community, then you get angry when you see them prospering. And I'm looking for an article someone told me about that Jerry Jones of the Dallas Cowboys was interviewed, and he was asked that if he ever went broke, how would he recover his wealth? He says, well, um, and this is not verbatim, that he would go and live amongst the black community and find out what it was that the black community was buying. 
and then he would go out and buy it wholesale and sell it to them, and he would regain his wealth. Well, hello, because that's what people expect from the black community is to buy, 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 buy. I I remember driving by uh, impoverished houses and seeing brand-new Cadillacs. I'm not talking about just hand-me-down Cadillacs. I mean, like, going to Sewell, going to, what was it, Frank Kent Cadillac, and buying brand-new Cadillacs, a black man being allowed to buy a Cadillac and park it in front of his shotgun house, his shanty. It was like, okay, I can buy a car, I can buy jewelry, I can buy clothes, I can buy shoes, I can buy hats, I can buy handbags, I can buy this, I can buy that, but I cannot buy a home in a better neighborhood. I cannot improve my existing home because nobody will give me a loan, but what I can do is I can go out and consume, and this is what has kept America great. If, if if minorities stop buying, it, it would be a devastating effect if we were not buying, if we were not consuming. And I'm not throwing stones, but I'm simply saying is, is that there has been an increase in black entrepre- entrepreneurs, and I hope and pray that it continues to grow and increase. But for the mom-and-pop grocery stores that have been ran out of business, by the big food chains, and uh, now, you know, we've got online shopping, online buying, can't compete with that. So now we have to learn how to do us in a different way. We have to learn how to do us in a different way. And we have to learn how to do community in a different way. Because we are here. We are we are of the same blood and we are here. And the only way off is for this whole world to end. And then we don't have to worry about this. <laughs> we don't have to worry about this. And so if you believe in a heaven, if you believe in a hell, then I don't know. I don't believe that there's a segregated hell or a segregated heaven when it comes down to race. But if you believe that you're going, then, you know, I I just don't believe that it's only going to be one race of people, one denomination of people that's going to go to heaven and that's going to go to hell. And if you have trouble living amongst diverse groups of people down here, the concept of color and race from all that I know and have read does not exist in heaven that um, you might have been married eight times down here, but if you get into heaven, it's like, are you going to be the wife of all eight husbands? And it says, you know, you won't be known like that because mortality is going to put off mortality and put on immortality and corruptibility is going to be put off and incorruptibility is going to be put off, put on. And we're going to be known and we're going to be 
seen as we truly are, spirits that come before the throne of God to worship him forever. It's 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 a different it's a different place and time. Um I I don't want to debate any of that, but I'm just saying it if you don't believe that's fine. You don't have to believe, but I believe in God and as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and this is what I believe. This is what I believe and I have the receipt for what I believe and for what I've experienced and for what I know. But this one thing that I will say as we're coming up to this commercial holiday of Father's Day, um, the spirit of suicide is not to be found amongst your sons, amongst your fathers, amongst your uncles and your brothers, your sisters. Now is not the time It's never The time To take your life These things are temporary And they will change They're not possibly going to change They will change There is no doubt That there will be a change And that this change Will come And it will come for the better and I pray and hope that you will stay alive because the devastation of you not being present to see your brothers and your sisters and your children and your siblings through this epidemic, it's, it's like the world is reeling, but when... It finally stops reeling, and you're able to count the toll that it's had. Everybody is going to need you to survive, to stay alive, because evil has done this. Evil has brought this. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. So we have to hold on. We have to hold on to our hope, to our faith. Your brothers, your sisters, your children need you, counting on you, depending on you, your mothers, your fathers, your uncles, your aunts, your cousins, your grandparents are depending on you, need you to survive, need you to stay to help them navigate the collateral damage that has been done and is being done, to show them that they can make it, that they don't have to quit, they don't have to give up, that they are loved and that they are wanted and that they are needed. They need you to survive. This is a temporary time. And as we close tonight, as always, I love playing this song 
by Eric Clapton, If I Could Change the World. I know that this is a love song about him and a woman, but for me, it is a song about me and my love for humanity and my love for justice and that if I could change the world, that is what I would want to do. And I thank you for tuning in today, tomorrow, in the future to this episode, and I pray that you have been a part of the change and that you are the change that we need. Good night and till tomorrow for day 10 of leading up to Father's Day, which will actually be June 19th. Yeah.